you know, today, uh, you know, as we t- continue to take a look at trees, uh, one thing that comes to mind for me is, is just, you know, in summertime, one of the real pleasures of summertime for me is, is listening to the sound that the wind makes as it goes through the treetops. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just really kind of a pleasant, you know, inviting, summery kind of a sound to it. Except for maybe last Sunday when we had that violent windstorm, at which point in time it was kind of scary to hear the wind blowing through the trees. I wasn't sure if the tree would stand up any longer. Last year when we had a violent windstorm, I lost half of my uh, flowering pear tree next to the house. And those babies are thick. I mean, I couldn't believe how many branches came down and the thing still remained upright after that. But, you know, there's this power that we saw last Sunday night in the wind that is beyond, you know, human power and might. And it can remind us that, you know, we're not all there is, that there's more to it than just us. But we are involved in this divine drama, this divine story that takes place in this world. And uh, today, our story about the sound in the trees. And it begins with a problem, a problem that would be something that would make an awful lot of us sweat if we were in this situation. And all of us face problems, but this is one that had a whole lot more at stake than the vast majority of problems that we might face. And uh, so I think we can learn a little bit from it by, by taking a look at it. it, and, it and the story begins this way that Israel had been in a civil war. And like the civil war in this country, it was divided between north and south. Uh, the north, the northern tribes, they were following the, uh, one of the sons of King Saul, who by this point in time had passed away, along with his son Jonathan. And uh, the south was following King David, who had been anointed king of Israel. Um, And they were going at it, and the Philistines, who were their ancient enemies, were content to just kind of let this one play out, just to kind of watch this one from the sidelines. So So they did that. They stood on the sidelines until finally that remaining son of Saul died. And here, I'm going to see if I can maybe adjust this mic so we don't get that popping anymore. Um... The remaining son of Saul died, and David then was declared king by the northern tribes too. So now there was this united kingdom of Israel, and this was something that the Philistines could not stand. They couldn't tolerate this. So they mustered their army, and the Philistines were a mighty fighting force who had fought. You know, they, they, were, they were not native to this area. They had, had come from the sea, you know, Scholars have all kinds of theories on where they came from. But, you know, this is a mighty military machine, the Philistines, who are the ancient enemy of the Israelites. And they mustered their army and brought them out to fight against this newly united uh, kingdom of Israel. Now, when the uh, Philistines and the Israelites had fought over the years, and and they'd been going at it for quite a while, you know, just, just, you know, as a case in point, kind of maybe test the waters of some Bible knowledge here. Okay, Samson. Remember Samson? You know, the long hair and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the woman who uh, was the, the, the love interest in his life, her name was Delilah. Okay, and, and, and what, what group of people did she belong to? The Philistines. Okay, way back then even, you know, the Israelites were fighting the Philistines. And oftentimes the Philistines would be uh, people that would be ruling over Israel because they had the greater military strength. 
in the book of Judges, many times the judges would be raised up to try to battle the Philistines. So this has been going on for a, a very, very long time. And, uh, and yet the Israelites fought a different kind of uh, way than the, than the Philistines did. The Israelites basically were guerrilla fighters. They were basically uh, people who would uh, go in and, and do the quick attack and, and retreat or defend mountain passes with a few men and things like that. When they tried to engage in open warfare, they were oftentimes just way overmatched. And they couldn't possibly stand against um, people like the Philistines without divine intervention. And uh, along comes now David, who's forming a new kind of army. That's this united army between the north and the south. And it is uh, composed of people like uh, David, the, the, the people that David had gathered around him while he'd been on the run from Saul. David's mighty men, they were called. And they were the leaders of the army. They were the, the, the captains and the generals of the army. David taught them the lessons that he learned while in, on the run in, in uh, Philistine territory. He learned about open warfare from the Philistines themselves. He learned how to fight those kinds of battles. So now the Israelites really were ready to give the Philistines, or they thought they might be ready to give the Philistines a taste of their own medicine as the Philistines mustered their army against them. But uh, the Philistines had chosen strategically the place of battle, which was not far from the city of Jerusalem, which was David's capital. And it was in this seam between the north and the south so that several things were at stake in this battle. First was this, that this was a new unification of the country. And if David should lose these battles that would be fought here in this place called Rephaim. If David would lose these things, one thing that was likely to happen is that the northern tribes would rethink their alliance with David and the country would be divided once again. And secondly, because it was not far from Jerusalem, if David would lose, it would mean that the way would be open for the Philistines to attack Jerusalem itself. And in those days, those were some brutal days. And, and if a capital city like that was conquered, was attacked and conquered, normally what would happen is that the men inhabitants, the male inhabitants of that city, would either be killed or enslaved. The women and the children would be taken as spoils of war. And any pregnant women that would be found, they would have their bellies slit open. A lot was at stake especially for an army that, that was newly put together, you know, uh, facing this Philistine army where they were used to fighting shoulder to shoulder and side by side. The people heard about the mighty Philistine army coming into the valley of Rephaim, and they wondered what David would do. Now, not too many years before, when Saul was still king, Saul faced the Philistines in a similar kind of battle. And in that battle, Saul had a choice to make, just as David has a choice to make here. Saul could see that the mighty Philistine army there was arrayed against him, and, and, and they were overmatched. I mean, it's like, you know, this militia that they call out. They're not, they're not trained like the Philistines. And Saul began to see his men become afraid and 
and melt away. They began to go home. They began to disperse. So Saul became impatient. He could wait no longer. He didn't wait to accomplish the instructions that God had given to him. And instead, he took matters into his own hands because he was impatient. And his impatience ultimately led to the downfall of the house of Saul. So now David has a choice. What would David do? Would he be impatient like Saul? Or would he wait on the Lord? Now, you know, in in, in those days, it was understood that before going into battle, the leader of Israel's army should seek God's leading. To have God before them. And to say, God, should I go up in the battle or not? And if God said, yes, go up, it meant that God would be fighting for you. Now imagine that, having the God of the universe fighting on your side to accomplish the resolution of the problem that you have in front of you. But if God said, no, don't go up, you better not go up because you could have the God of the universe fighting against you. But you're supposed to go and seek from God first and then do what he says. So what would David do? Would he be impatient like Saul? Or would he wait on the Lord? Well, we can see a little bit of a glimpse, a little bit of a clue about what David's character is like and what David might do if we go back to 1 Samuel 17, where we see, we catch up with David uh, with that very familiar story about David and Goliath, where David had come out to bring his brothers their lunch and discovered, whoa, there's this nasty big old guy, Philistine, out there challenging the armies of Israel. Nobody will go out to meet him. Hey, I'll go do it. And Saul says to him, who was the king at the time, "Uh, you're only a boy. How in the world are you going to be able to accomplish this? So David says these words, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He put his fate into God's hands. He knew that God would not let him down. He literally put his life in his hands, and we know the rest of the story. So now, catching up to this moment in time when all is at stake, not just for David, but for the entire country. 2 Samuel chapter 5. The Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them, and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as he was instructed. He circled around behind the Philistines to attack them from in front of the balsam trees. But first... He would need to wait. He would need to wait on the Lord. So there David lined up his army with a row in the front of of spearmen with shields in front of them. And behind the row of spearmen with shields in front of them stood the rows of archers ready to unleash this deadly hail of arrows on the enemies. And and. All of them were poised to run at the sound of their commander saying, Go, 
in, they would run to hand-to-hand combat against the Philistines. But first, they must wait. They must wait on the Lord and listen for the sound of the Lord's moving, the sound of the Lord's army marching through the treetops. Now, the Bible doesn't exactly say what that sound was like. But it was obvious that it was going to be a sound that David would recognize. And he described it as the Lord's moving ahead of you into battle. So it sounds as though the sound that the Lord would give through those treetops would not just merely be a rustling of the trees by the wind. Instead, what it would be is the sound of the Lord's army moving ahead of David. And that would give David's army courage. As this army of the Lord moved ahead of them, you know, in battle, if, a, if, a, if a, an, another unit that is even stronger than your own moves ahead to take the lead in the battle, it can give this unit courage in battle and strength in battle. But now it's going to take the faith to listen and to wait. And they're in the treetops, rustling in the treetops. They listened for the sound of God's army moving ahead. The sound of the feet of those, those heavenly soldiers. The sound of their swords. The sound of an army on the march in the treetops of the balsam trees. They waited. Now sometimes I think it's hard for people to understand the spiritual you know, because we are so physically oriented, we, we are so materialistic-minded, we focus on the things that we can see and touch and feel. And yet, in reality, I think everybody knows that there's more to life than just what you can see and touch and feel. You know, take, for example, baseball. Okay? Who here is a Detroit Tiger fan? Who did not raise their hand? Who would have raised their hand to that question two months ago? Okay. Uh, You know, the Tigers have had a rough year, right? In spite of the fact that going into this year, on paper, the Tigers look, oh, man, they are going to the World Series. I mean, look at the talent on this team. This is incredible. So what happened? Well, baseball is a weird sport. And one of the things that a lot of people like about it is that it is a weird sport, you know, that there are certain things, certain nuances about it that are not the, the things that you can just tell on, pa- you know, on paper. It's not just the physical, but there are things behind the scene. There's things like team chemistry, right? Or, or some guy who was a great hitter one year comes in the next year, and they're really mediocre. You know, what happened? Uh, you know, uh, th- th- those are the intangibles that really make a huge difference on the physical. Or take, you know, this afternoon we've got our church golf outing. And this afternoon, if I am comparing myself to Tiger Woods, it does not mean that I'm having a good game. Not these days anyway. You know, what happened to Tiger? Nobody really knows. <laughs> you know, but, but with, with sports like golf or baseball or things like that, a person's attitude, their mindset, you know, um, man, Whatever's going on inside, the unseen has huge impact on the scene. And we know this, really, right? 
You know, there are, there are things that are unseen, like attitude, uh, things like faith, things like love, that make a huge difference on the scene. Jesus described that God moves like the wind. Where the wind is something that you cannot see. You can't see the wind. All you can see are the effects of the wind. You might feel the wind. You might see the effects of the wind in the trees. But you can't see wind. And God is like that, he says. God is one who moves and makes a difference in the physical realm. There, there is something that about what takes place in the spiritual realm that when we pray, when we, when we turn to God, when we wait on Him, that moves heaven to impact the physical realm. So David had a choice to make. He had a choice. And he chose to follow the Lord, to wait on the Lord. And that means letting God go first which is what it means to be his follower, isn't it? I mean, it it means to let him go first, like what we were seeing up here, to let him take the lead. The stakes that day, on that particular day, were awfully high because everybody knew the reputation of the Philistine army. And everybody knew the limitations of the Israelite army. And yet that day, the Philistines were overmatched. Because they didn't just face the Israelite army and its limitations. Instead, they faced the forces of God. The spiritual having an impact on the physical. The Israelites and David, they listened for the sound of God moving in the treetops. And the treetops began to move. And they began to hear the sound. And with the sound... They let out the shout, and there was a shout all the way down the line as they charged into battle against the Philistines. And that day, the Philistines ran. They ran in terror because something had happened. There was a force greater than anything that they had seen. And they'd left their gods lying on the field of battle that day as they ran in terror. And David and the armies of Israel that had waited on the Lord won the day. Now, we look at this, we can see how we might experience victory in our own life. We can get lessons from this. The first one is this, and it might seem like a strange uh, group to follow, but too like the Philistines. Surrender. Leave your gods on the field of battle. And, you know, we don't normally talk about gods too much these days. You know, it's kind of a strange subject, concept. But really, a God is this. It is whatever it is in your life that prevents you, that keeps you from waiting on the Lord and listening to Him. Leave your gods on the field of battle and surrender. And then listen. David listened to the sound of God's moving in the treetops. But listening is a lost art, isn't it? You know, a lot of people like to say their piece, but very few people actually like to listen. But when a person listens to another person, what happens is that they're showing that person respect. And when we listen to God, it means, or listen for God, it means that we are showing God respect. It's an act of faith. It's an act of respect. 
Listen to God's word. Listen for his movement in life. And then finally, act. When, when the Lord is talking about waiting on him and listening for him, it doesn't mean we never put one foot in front of another. No, it means that we make sure that we put the right foot in front of the other, the one that the Lord has taught us to put in front of the other. And he is the one who equips us to be able to do that. David, when he was on the run from Saul, he could have shaken his fist at God and said, God, you're not doing your job. I should be back in the palace by now with my feet up, sipping lemonade. Instead, I am out here living out of caves. I'm with this ragtag bunch here. I should have a whole army. You know, I'm living with, you know, among the Philistines. God, what's going on here? But that would be not waiting for the Lord. Instead, what happened was that David waited on the Lord, and during that period of time, when it would, from a human perspective, be very difficult to understand what God was up to, God was training David for this very moment. So that he was, among the Philistines, David was able to learn the tactics of the Philistines. Now, as a military commander, as the king and the the, the commander-in-chief, he was able to know what his enemy would do even before they did it. He gathered around him this ragtag bunch that he called his mighty men, and they became the backbone of his army. But most of all, what was happening while David was on the run from King Saul was that he was being taught to trust God. He was being taught to wait on the Lord. But ultimately what happened was that David and his men acted. They did what the Lord said. They they stepped out and they rushed against the Philistines. The other day I was at a conference, two-day conference uh, at a neighboring church here in Canton. Uh, televised conference, and, and there was one of the pieces there was uh, this video piece, this video segment about this guy who had been to this conference before, and uh, he was a, a, a vice president of marketing for Walgreens, devout Christian, committed to the Lord, and he was listening to uh, another speaker, and the Lord really spoke to him during that time. He was listening. So first of all, he surrendered to the Lord. He was a follower of Jesus. He laid his gods down on the field of battle. Then he listened to the Lord, what the Lord was talking about. And what he was hearing was this, that the speaker was a guy that owned a shoe company where uh, he had this policy that if for every shoe, pair of shoes that was bought, he would give away a pair of shoes to somebody who needed them. And so this guy, the, the VP of marketing for Walgreens, went home to uh, his, his home company and he tried to persuade people, hey, I've got a great idea. How about if for everything that we sell, we give one of that away? And, you know, the reaction to that idea among his colleagues was, hey, great idea, but we can't afford it. So, you know, one day he was, uh, you know, bellying up to the, uh, I think it was the coffee pot, and, you know, ahead of him there was the CEO. So he said, oh, okay, kind of felt this prompting from the Lord. I'll, I'll run it by him. He said, hey, I like the idea. Let's talk to the board. Talk to the board. Their response was the same. Great idea. We can't afford it. But finally, after some persistence of, of trying to do what he had heard God calling him to do, he, he, he had this guy come to him who was the head of the vaccinations division for Walgreens, who said to him, I think we should give it a try. So what they did was they unveiled this policy that said, okay, for every vaccine that Walgreens gives, 
we're going to vaccine somebody in the world for free, normally in the third world country. So Walgreens, because this guy had surrendered and laid his gods down before the Lord, because he had listened to the Lord and waited on him, and because he had stepped out of those balsam trees to do, it made a difference in his world. And it moved a company. It made a difference in the lives of these kids. So today, today, when you face a battle, especially when the stakes are high, remember the balsam trees and God's moving. Remember the one who is the God of hosts, the God who leads heavenly armies. Lay down your gods before him, wait on him, listen for him, and then step out and follow him because he's the God who goes before you. Amen.